Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be talking about the Netflix film Lady Chatterley's Lover. We are joined today by director Laura de Clermont-Tonnerre, along with actor Jack O'Connell. And Laura, I wanted to start by, by talking about the way that you visually explore the themes in the film, because, you know, it's a very different film to The Mustang, which was so beautiful, but both films have this really wonderful in-depth exploration of the idea of restraint and rediscovery of oneself. Um, and so I was interested in coming off the back of, of making that The Mustang, kind of when you first were sitting with the script of this how you started to conceptualize the way that you visually wanted to approach those themes for this film so when I read the script it was a March 2020 in full pandemic and um and and it, it's it's the themes very similar themes and Mustang uh the need of freedom uh the importance of nature uh the imprisonment and uh and with a very different settings and through a, a, a woman's journey um and and especially like the the centrality the, the, the between uh, Coney and Mellers really reminded the centrality between the man and the horse and the mustang so it felt very very connected and and very organic for me to 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 dive into the story with um the same vivid need to to express uh, um, uh, centrality, freedom, importance of the body, um, and also the two binary location, uh, Mustang with the inside of the prison, outside the ground, the nature, um, and uh, and and same for the the story of of Coney and Mellers and, and Clifford, like the imprisonment into the, the very importance of the house of the property and her breaking free and running around and going into the woods and the nature as being like her safe space. So uh, the, the the cinematography is really like the something very much more claustrophobic inside and a very loose camera for the outside. Um, handheld was really like the our, our um, uh, medium for like all the, the 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 nature and the and the outdoor spaces, and we we focused with Benoit Delorme, the cinematographer, on autochrome, which is a technique uh, of the twenties, like a photographic technique of the twenties, and that we modernized. So uh, we we love the blue and green palette, um, some diffused light that feels like it feels like very uh, uh, kind of monochromes, and and so that that was the what we explored of going to the dusk, purple, blue, green, um, yeah. I love all of that. And and Jack, in, in talking about your character in the film, um, I was interested in kind of the initial starting point for developing this character because he's someone who has found himself in a space of being very closed off to a lot of people in the world around him. And, you know, we see that through things like the relationship that he has with animals. And he's someone who doesn't say very much out loud, but the words that he does say have a lot of meaning. And so what was the initial inroad into really discovering and, and developing your version of this character? Yeah, I think like they're very fascinating types of individuals that are like uh, had to, through one reason or another, had to become very economical, and um, and so like when when they talk, you listen, and what they do is, is there's like a purity in what they do, um, and in Melis's case, he's he's obviously he's. Uh, become a bit of a recluse 
And so the reasons for that were fascinating to me. I don't claim to fully understand them, but what became what is clear within the writings, especially in the novel, is that um, there's an element of rejection um, from Mellors to what is expected of him from society, um, or a rejection from Mellors. Um, I think obviously that would be accentuated uh, through his, his time serving in the army. Um, so yeah, no, there was this definite purity and this this sort of refinement um, that that to me is is a very un, un, very interesting thing to try and understand. Um, and that that for me was like his his uh, a, a very apparent quality in him. I love that description and you're, you're touching upon the book there as well, which um, you've mentioned previously was actually a really useful tool alongside the script. And so how did that help you in kind of understanding some more of the aspects of who this character was beyond what you had on the page from the adaptation in the script? Yeah, sure. Look at endlessly, you know, right. It'd be, it'd be, um, uh, you'd, you'd be daft not to use it. Um, especially writing that is of this type of caliber, um, which was so honest and like just able to capture a, 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 a snapshot in time um, with such depth um, is real genius. And so, yeah, look, I won't lie, it was, it was a beacon for me um, and a constant source of uh, guidance. And I think, you know, law, we, we sort of shared that in common as well with it. Um, so that was a great thing to uh, agree on, especially with Emma involved as well. We really had the three of us um, constantly curious to find out more. And we had this, we had this Bible on offer. Um, so yeah, it did. It definitely contributed to having a, a, a deeper sense of understanding, um, which is vital, I think. That's really wonderful. And Lauren, coming back to talking about the directing of the film, um, you know, what's so striking is it's this exploration between these two people as they're coming together. And we have the internal aspect of what that means emotionally to both of them, both as individuals and together. And then also the external exploration of just them becoming more physically comfortable around each other. And even just, you know, small gestures of like hands touching suddenly becoming more pronounced as the film progresses. And so how did you work to make sure in the way that you were telling the story and working with Jack and Emma that it was always this real balance between the internal side of it the emotional side and the external side of what that looked like in their dynamic as well mm. I think what I was really moved is um is the, the you know how two human beings um recognize that they come from the same wood that they made from the same wood and there's something unpapable um and uh, and kind of cosmic <laughs> that happens and obviously uh, you can't really predict uh if two actors are going to connect and i felt very uh i mean grateful it's such a great gift when you have two actors wanting to bring the same energy the same message and pairing mind it was something very very special um so it was actually a pretty easy work altogether to build this intimacy between the characters. And, um, and, and there was a lot of um, 
humor, sense of humor, playfulness, uh, gentleness, tenderness. Uh, there was kind of natural coming out from their friendship, which really, really helped, uh, especially for all the intimacy scene. It was really hard uh, and challenging. And also we were guided and helped so much by this intimacy coordinator, Ita, Ita O'Brien, who really um, uh, kind of desexualized in a way <laughs> what we wanted to achieve like by being very procedural and approaching it <laughs> by like dancing choreography and um and we had a lot of laughing and it was such sometimes absurd situation we, we we really cemented our and build that trust to each other to go through to build this very sensitive sensorial sensual sexual um connection and um, and yes, she really guided uh, and she really helped me so much also to, you know, to be authentic and to really like um, break the shyness that I could have, you know, obviously. So after like a lot of rehearsal together, we were super very comfortable to to um, to explore the, this this intimacy, this sexuality, this nudity. And uh, and that was that was really helpful. But I have to say that it's a lot of work and it's also a lot of luck. Uh, without Jack and Emma and having them being so supportive to each other and, and trusting each other, you don't have a film. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, Ita's got incredible experience in the industry with the projects that she's done. And, and I love that that was part of the rehearsal process and that you had that time. And, and so wanted to ask about those, that two week period and, and, you know, beyond the work that you were doing on, on that side of the film with the intimacy with Ita, um, kind of, was it a case of wanting to really dive into elements of scenes or really just doing other exercises to build that sense of intrinsic intimacy and intrinsic trust between the two of you? Um, and that's for both of you in terms of what that two week process was like. I think like what we really wanted to define is what's the emotional uh, uh, impulse behind those scenes, because you can do, you know, you can be redundant, gratuitous, boring. And that's not what we, we wanted to achieve. We wanted to make sure that there's an emotional emotional narration behind. And you feel that there is um, that's pushing the, the relationship always further, always more intimate, always more um, passionate and, and real and authentic. So that's so we talked a lot. We. <laughs> We talked about the shape, the right shape, the right positions, the right choreography, uh, the body language, the invisible dialogues between those moments, everything that's not palpable, but that you can feel and feel so true and honest. And uh, and so that's that was And then obviously, Ita helped us to choreograph, but it was it really came from this collaboration, from this quattro, I would say. And for you, Jack, what, what was the most beneficial aspects of, of that time and, and also just having that space with Emma so that when you were on set working with them, there was that kind of freedom of discovering even deeper elements with one another? Oh, I mean, listen, there's, there's, there's no, I, I really can't improve on what Law has just said there because, um, I, you know, I just think that is a, a very uh, um, profound uh, take on on exactly what we experienced um and yeah listen in in my very less uh <laughs> sophisticated way I, I always i could contribute to that is you can't you can't turn up onto a set day one <clears throat> and try and forge this uh thing that was um required between emma and myself um in order to tell this story properly you just i just don't think you can 
to do that. Like, I mean, that it takes a serious bit of acting to just pull that off. So, yeah, we needed the two weeks. We needed the, the sort of behind <clears throat> closed doors and with Law's steerage, um, with Eater's supervision, um, really, really starting from uh, uh, like the, the, the bare bones, really, of what what was then going to be required of us. Because it does, it takes a lot of nerve. It does, it, you know, I'm sure anyone can agree with that. It takes, it does, it's quite, it can be quite a daunting thing. And um, I, I don't think it should be handled uh, improperly. And it certainly wasn't on this job. It was, uh, yeah, no, it, it and, and such an intrinsic part of the story. It was just handled with the, uh, Sensibility and care that was warranted, and I'm really pr- proud, pleased, and proud with the outcome. Absolutely, and and Laura, I wanted to talk also as well about some of the editing in the film. Um, I know that you were working with an editor that you've been working with since your very first short film, and and so again, there's just that that language between the two of you, um, and. It, you know, there's so much kind of emotional pacing that has to be really delicately balanced throughout the film. And even the moments where we're getting the voiceover narration from Emma for when Connie's writing to her sister, um, you know, in terms of like the the visual elements that we're seeing on screen and, and how that evolves what we're hearing through the narrative. Um, what were some of the challenging elements that came with, with the delicacy of what this required and just finding that emotional trajectory at the right pace throughout the film? Yes, what, what I, I really love um, in working with Geraldine, um, uh, Geraldine Mangenot, the editor, she's very, uh, she, she gives uh, an, a visceral, a, a, a censored experience in editing. She, those, those cuts where you feel very invested physically because it's going from like a close-up then a wide and so suddenly you're, you're you're, you're feeling it, you're into it because it's not um, a comfortable edit, which I love. It gives you sensations. And, uh, and I love her approach because she's visceral, she's instinctive and, uh, and she's very free. Sometimes she would just like, you know, she, she's not like, um, uh, obviously she cares about continuity, but in a way that it really serves the story and not like, in a in a classic way, so she's very untraditional in this, and she, and so she always brings this um, uh, all those sensorial. She brings all the sense the sensitivity uh, into a way that it's it's connect together and it's very organic. So that was uh, that was really fun, and also like working from the inside to the outside. Uh, which is inside the house, everything is much more claustrophobic and rigid and outside is much more loose and free. And so we, we, we and all the importance of nature uh, and editing for her, the scenes of intimacy was a real challenge. And for, 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 for both of us, it took a lot of time because it's very delicate. Sometimes you feel it's too long and then it just like damaged the rest of the relationship. So you need to make sure that those things are giving the, the, the right impact and impulse emotionally. And that's the, that was like the real challenge. Um, it, took, it, took, it, took, it took a while. 
Yeah. And and coming back to you, Jack, you know, you were talking before about some of the more insular elements of your character. Um, and at the same time, we're watching him go through this real journey with himself to the point where he feels comfortable enough just running out in the rain with Connie. Um, and so kind of knowing that that was a, a standpoint and, and a tipping point for him as a character as to where you were taking him from the beginning, where he's barely saying a word and he just kind of physically and emotionally and language wise just feels a little bit more uncomfortable and distant from everyone around him. Him. Um, how did you work to kind of really craft the delicacy of, okay, he's going to start to feel a bit more comfortable here. Here's where he's going to, you know, express himself a little bit more or physically feel a little bit more comfortable around Connie throughout the film to reach that point of the rain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the main clues there are definitely within the writing is um, he goes from being very economical with his, his words um, to eventually very open and, and, and kind of uh, uh, you know like exploring um, in a way exploring each other um, so they, the, the clues were on the page for sure uh, I mean I think another great way to, to sort of recognise that as well is, is to sort of feel it in real time because different things are going to happen on the day um, you know, and, and less like a gradual progression of one thing that's just an arc, but you know, like it's obviously it's, it can get quite complicated. This this sort of topic, you know, where where would he then, where where would he then feel like he had to cut off um, from from Connie? Uh, where would that? Where would there be a regression? Um, they're, I just think they're the beautiful nuances that happen in life. And um, if you can kind of include that um, in your work and portraying a, a story that is so nuanced as, as this one, um, then yeah, yeah, great. Um, but as I say, there are clues. There are always clues. And I think the, the main thing is just to stay attentive. And, you know, God, God willing, you'd have someone like Law uh, in charge and who's got that same sort of sense and sensibility as as, as you'd want from um, somebody who's going to tell a story like this uh, as it's sort of deserved and warranted and you know no one better than Law in my view to, to, to do that um, she was a constant guide um, and that just has to be said <laughs> Thank you Jack it's amazing. And I, and I love how much, you know, Jack is kind of using the word nuance to describe the delicacy of that. And, you know, Law, similarly, knowing that with both of these characters that you're carrying to that central space of just, you know, complete exuberance and complete freedom, um, you know, but like you said, never wanting it to feel rigid at the beginning. How did you in, in directing and, and in the editing of, of leading towards that arc, make sure that you were always carrying both of those characters to that space emotionally together? I mean that's a, it's a it's a, a lot of um obviously we we worked uh, very carefully about the arc of Mellers and Connie separately and also their their arc together mm -hmm. um but the editing was really key also to really balance you know the nuances the emotion to make sure that uh we were always like you know bringing the delicacy of the story and 
but I have to say also that Jim, Jack, and Emma um, had a very uh, uh, similar idea of what was uh, the the relationship, the nature of the relationship, uh, and were always like very surprising into their choices of uh, of bringing always this story to the present, and it felt extremely authentic because it felt that um, immersive and it was here and now. And that makes it extremely exciting and surprising because it was uh, it, it felt that it, each take, each time was always something different that was built from their their uh, their chemistry. And now that's you can't really uh, make that up. And and Jack, in coming back to you as well, um, you know, there's there's a lot of lines of dialogue where we get an essence of how the world has viewed him and how the world has treated him. Um, you know, whether it's the way that his personality is being described as being a bit dr- gruff at first when you first meet him, but having more of a tenderness. You know, his intelligence when he was growing up. But then there's also the element where when she's talking to him about her plan and having their child, that he all of a sudden feels like maybe that was just the plan all along, and and the rest of what he saw was true and he says that that line about it's not the first time that I've been made use of so we know that he's been through a lot and then obviously everything with his wife kind of stepping out on him and and still kind of refusing to divorce him how did you in in going through the scripts in particular really look at a lot of those details in how the world has treated him and how the world has viewed him um and what evolutions did that give to how you originally envisioned the character and things that you felt were really important to bring into him in your performance Oh, I probably first and foremost, I think was uh, he has he's intelligent enough to understand the uh, hypocrisy and inefficacy of the system that prevents him, um, just the system that prevents him. So you know, I think he's a, he's a man that is very intelligent and and uh, and emotionally intelligent and learned and, and well-read and all of these like kind of uh, virtuous traits. Um, but there's no avenue. There's, there's nothing available for him to explore that. There's nothing available for him to um, pro- prosper is probably not the right word, but it's the only one I can think of. Um, so yeah, and, and a lot of ways that is his curse because he, he can kind of pull back the facade of all of that and, and see it for the ridiculousness that, that it is. Um, and I think once you put that in this particular period in, in, in British history, um, you know, the, the vitality of that was like so apparent and so immediate, so many lives lost during, you know, the particular war that he served in. I just think that's an unimaginable thing to try and comprehend. Um, so how do, you, how, do you, how do you find peace with that? And I don't think he's a man that considers himself a victim. Um, I, I, I think that he's... Uh, I think that he, he's, he's, he's managed to find some peace, given, given all of that sort of turmoil. And that, that to me, is fascinating. Um, I think that is like a... 
yeah, that's just a, such a fascinating trait and like a, a common trait within people of this period. So, yeah, I guess that 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 was kind of the the picture I wanted to paint for myself in order to try and understand Mellors. Um, and it was just yeah, just try and crack on from there, you know. I, I love that. And, um, you know, Lauren, in some of the ways that you've been describing your your directing of this film, it sounds like, you know, there was a lot of intention in having it feel very timeless in a lot of ways, you know, whether it was the camera movement with the use of handheld and, and having that bring a real energy and, and life to the charisma between them, or even elements with costume where maybe it's the silhouette of the period, but it never feels completely restrictive. You know, Emma's mm -hmm. not running around wearing corsets the whole time. Um, and so how did you find the elements of where it felt important to be very true to the time period and where it felt important to you to give yourself that freedom of, okay, maybe we'll have this silhouette, but we'll have a more modern material. And maybe we're gonna do this with the camera so that it feels very fresh and very modern even though it's telling a time period piece. Yes, the idea was to never be trapped into the, the 20s as if you were doing a documentary. But it's, it's obviously the classicism of the story is rooted into this period uh, of, of the 20s, but um, with a, a modern lens. And I, I, the juxtaposition between our lens and the lens from the past uh, to distort some of the the elements of, 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 of truth from the 20s and to bring a little bit more of modern elements was really fun to work on, especially in costumes and music. As a costume designer in my fryer, um, we, 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 we obviously took some dresses from the time period, but also some dresses from like modern stores that you can find, you know, in today in London and, uh, and 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 with like lighter fabric and some uh, patterns from today and and it was it was interesting how to uh, to give like a, a um, uh, always a modern feel and never felt that it was like dusty or too you know too too corseted as you said uh, in the music also uh, we we kept like a classic score but with moments of real some rock influences and uh, and modern instruments and sometimes you can hear electric guitar and it's just because you have we always wanted to kind of get away and 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 play with with the with, with the time periods and sometimes even if the the, the the classic score that tells the story there's modern instrument that talks about how Connie evolves and where she and it's very much more sensorial than being like you know um, exact and uh, and so it's it's uh, it's it I think that's all those elements and and working on um, very modern uh, uh, tools in cinematography it, that gives like a, a yeah a timeless feeling that's it's it's from the past but it could be today you don't really know it's sometimes you know and also because the nature is like timeless obviously. So it's just, uh, I, I wanted to play with that so that it feels really accessible and uh, and yeah. I love that. Well, it's, you've both done such wonderful work in the way that you've told this story and created this film. So congratulations on everything. And thank you so much for your time today and talking about it. Thank you so much. Right. Thank, thank you. you.